Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How is everyone today? Excuse me, my allergies are really, really bad. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Welcome to California Haunts Radio. We broadcast uh, Sunday through Friday every week without fail. Anyway, I'll be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. You can find us at uh, CaliforniaHaunts.org or the radio show at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. You can also find me on Facebook. You can find uh, California Haunts on Facebook, me on Facebook as well. And uh, I own the paranormal team, so that means uh, we like to help people with their problems if if they think they have a paranormal issue going on in their homes or wherever they think they might have it. And because we are 45 members strong, we're able to get, we're all over California. We're spread all over California. So no matter where you're at, we can get you help. Okay. Um, Also, we have people in Spokane and Nevada and Hawaii as well. That can help you out. Anyhow, welcome tonight. We have a very interesting show in that we've been trying to get this gentleman on for some time. Finally got him to agree to come on. I had to bribe him. No, I'm kidding. But uh, finally got him to agree to come on. Um, Phantom phone calls. You know, there's a lot of stories about people that die and and, and, and as they're and after after the the alleged time that they passed away, family members get phone calls from them or they get text messages on their phones from them. So my guest tonight, uh, excuse me, uh, William J. Hall is going to talk to us about that. He wrote a book. He co-wrote a book about that. So he's going to be on to talk to us. Okay. In the meantime, if you're watching from Facebook, please hit that follow button. If you're watching from YouTube, please subscribe. And the way to do that is there's a little ghost down in the bottom right-hand corner. Point at him. That's my left. It's weird because it's opposite. Whatever. Anyway. The bottom, it's <laughs> confusing. The bottom right-hand corner, and uh, he's got a magnifying glass on and a Sherlock Holmes hat on, and that ghost is our mascot. And you click on that, and you will subscribe to all of our videos over on YouTube. Even though you can go over there anyway, but the, you know, by subscribing, you get updates right away. You know, when 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 you know when, when we put a video out, so you'll have that information come to you. And we're looking for subscribers. You know, the more the merrier, especially with YouTube. So I'd appreciate it if, if you could subscribe if you're watching from YouTube. Same thing goes for watching from Facebook or watching from uh, TikTok or Twitter or any place just to subscribe and follow. You know, follow us. Please follow. Please follow. Anyhow, uh, I'm going to be teaching a ghost, uh, not, a, not a ghost anyone in class. <laughs> it's been a long day. I'm going to be teaching a psychic development class, basic class, and I'm also going to be teaching a psychic development class, second level class. And that's coming up, and please be on the lookout. I will have that up on the meetup at the California Haunts Meetup, as well as over at the website. So it's very, very, very soon here, once I pick a date, okay? And uh, I, and, and uh, the, there's a description of what the classes are and everything, so you guys will know what you're getting into, all right? Anyway, this is going to be a phone phone call interview today with Mr. Hall, and I'm ready. I got his phone number, and so without further ado, let's talk about phone calls from the dead. And I want to know in the chat room, because I'm very interactive with the chat room, 
have any of you had any experiences with phantom phone calls? You know, I've had weird things happen, but not with the phone. I can honestly say that. But uh, I just want to know if any of you have had any, you know, any strange experiences. Let me let me check the chat room real quick. See who's here. I see Nancy's here. Jerry's here. Maurice is here. So we got a good start. Pamela's here. So we got a good launch on the chat room. Anyway, I want to know, you know, in the chat room, if you guys have had any, you know, phantom phone calls, and we'll discuss that too. And feel free to ask questions during the show for the uh, for the guest. And uh, okay, let me get back in here. Okay, so let me get William on the phone. I still say we need dialing music. I say that every time. It's been three years. I say the same thing every night. We need dial every time I do this. We need dialing music. Hello. Hello, William. How are you? Good. Let me get you over in the spot here. Okay. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, sir? Well, uh, I've been a uh, practicing magician for many years, and that's how I get into the paranormal, uh, by investigating uh, those sort of things and heavily into UFOs in the old days, and um, then into the paranormal, and... um, the biggest, the big case I researched was uh, the Bridgeport Poltergeist, um, which was my first book, and then from there I kept going. But uh, sorry, I should have expected that question. Uh, <laughs> I did oh, write my bio, darn it! It's not, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Now, um, you've written books on on the Bridgeport, or you wrote a book on on the Bridgeport case. But the book that uh, really stood out to me was Phantom Phone Call or, or, or Phantom Messages. How did you go about oh, yeah. getting involved with writing that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Jimmy and I uh, wrote that book. And, uh, and, you know, fine talking about that. You know, that I know you were interested in that. That's, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. Okay, great. So tell me a little bit about Phantom Phone Calls. I know there's been cases. I've seen them on TV, you know. Stuff where, where people will get, like, 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 like there's a big train wreck or something, and then somebody will get a phone call from a loved one that had died in this train wreck. Yeah, the, that's uh, definitely uh, one of the fascinating cases in there. Um, the, the idea of phantom messages was uh, to take a look and isolate um, these cases where you have uh, these odd and possible um, phone calls, letters, emails, texts. Um, and what we were looking for uh, were the unexpected ones, not, hey, I'm a paranormal investigator and I went in and I got this recording. Uh, we didn't want that, although there's some of that, you know, there's there's some of that that's unavoidable, but the cases we were really focused on were cases of, where it not only was unexplainable, but it was unexpected. It, it was, it, it, these were cases we wanted to look at uh, and say, has anyone really looked at just phantom messages? Mm-hmm. Uh, phone calls from the dead, of course, has been looked at, and there's been some great, great work. Um, our book, the focus was saying, let's just take a look at the phantom messages. Sure. And and about, it's about 60, 40, the, the exact percents are in my book. But, uh, but the point was, uh, how do we get this so that we can take a look and say, hey, these, you know, about 
have roughly it's 50, 50, 60, 40, thereabouts, uh, where it was just phantom messages. There was no haunting. Mm -hmm. And then in other cases, there, there was a haunting, but there, there was similarities between what the phantom messages, how they operate, things like that. And that's what was fascinating to us. Um, and what I would say would be our contribution is to try to look at phantom messages that were unexpected for the most part, in most cases, unexpected, not looking for it. Sometimes uh, they were isolated, and, um, and it includes a myriad of cases and, you know, uh, uh, of the, all the strange ways that these messages are sent. Um, and, you know, and then, of course, uh, we ask the questions of, you know, what do they mean and what are they? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And who are they from, which everyone wants to know. When you talk about, like, kind of messages, like, like you say, what type of messages are we talking about? You know, how, 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 what are they sent through? Well, um, some bizarre ones are, uh, it could be anything. It could be uh, one from your future self. It could be uh, one of the most startling ones was a prediction of 9-11, uh, which was a recording of sounds just uh, sent to... Um, David's uh, cell phone just getting these recordings mm -hmm. uh, about a month before the towers went down and uh, the recording was a sound that brought him to tear share um, terror I mean and um, even other people he let listen to it um, were really taken aback by it it, it was really uh, uh, David Fritz, well, I'll never forget talking to him. It happened in, 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 well, about a month before 9 11. And, uh, and this guy, I mean, solid character, works as an alcohol drug addiction counselor, you know, Cape Cod. Mm -hmm. And uh, he kept receiving a call on his cell phone that went straight to voicemail. And when he listened to it, he heard, you know, metal clanging. He, he just, it, it brought terror down. He, uh, he couldn't even hardly listen to it. And he kept getting the message. And he ended up uh, switching phones, switching carriers. And um, the last message, uh, it stopped when he switched carriers. And then it started again. And he, the last one he received was uh, the morning of uh, September uh, September uh, 10, 2001. Mm. And then the towers came down. And, and he knew. He had some other people listen to it. The message friends without saying anything and um um it, 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 they responded with uh, not well at all one lady um uh, i think she had fainted if i remember right but so these phantom messages come in ways that are like very clearly words mm -hmm. or they can be like that a recording of a living event that's happening an event from the future that's happening now is that what it was who knows, but um, I'll tell you, based on the way he reacted to those messages and what they were from, he, he was not looking to find a tie to any of those things. It was just uh, so obvious to him because he had felt it and you know, it felt like you lived it when you heard it. Mm -hmm. And that um, actually, not to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but that's the type of phantom message that is fascinating, which is the recording of a living event. Um, you know, where you get the phone call and you hear um, a, a captain of a crew in distress mm -hmm. and uh, they're in a storm or something. And, uh, you know, it's not just somebody playing something on TV uh, to you. It's something that instinctively 
um, you realize is real. Uh, that's the interesting thing about these, uh, you know, from the call aspect is um, people know, you know, people hear TV in the background all the time. Uh, but when calls, that kind of phantom call or messages made, people instinctively know it's real. You know, they instinctively know something's very off. It sounds like it really is a mayday from that kind of shit. The same way it sounds like it really is 9-11 happening. And who was this strange call? And then, you know, he tried to research the number to mm -hmm. the call. And, and in all these cases, um, we find that it doesn't matter whether it's a phone call or a computer. It doesn't matter the technology. Um, the communication does happen. And it doesn't need to be technology, mm -hmm. but I think it's, I think technology frequencies, of course, uh, what we often talk about. And I think that's a, a case where frequency plays a big part. Uh, but, you know, they do text messages and um, will communicate by letter and, you know, all the traditional ways that we've heard of. <clears throat> um, how frequent does this happen, do you think? I think it's not uncommon in actual hauntings. Uh, I think uh, just phantom messages uh, on, on, by large. Um, I, you know, it's, it's hard to tell because, of course, the data, you never get the data. Like, we looked at 59, about 59 cases. Mm -hmm. We looked at a lot more that didn't get into the book. How prevalent, I'm sure most of them aren't reported. Um, you know, it could be as much as 20% of a certain population, you know, who knows? I'm just guessing. Right. It's hard to tell. It's very, very common in within hauntings, uh, but it is very fascinating when there's no haunting or anything happening and it's just a loved one dies and you keep getting voice messages from the person right. every, every day at 4 p.m., same time that mom always called, mom's mm -hmm. calling, and talking to you as if she's not dead. And, and that's pretty freaky. <laughs> um, and it's dangerous for us to assume it's mom, too. Right. Um, you know, although at times we can say, well, in this case, I know it. Or, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to say it's not mom, either. We just, uh, we have to be careful about uh, uh, believing everything we hear, you know. Right. Uh, we, we don't believe it from our politicians, yet when an entity says it, we all of a sudden believe everything they say. So um, we also found in a lot of these cases... Um, that can very well be the case, the trickster element, the element of, um, of that mm -hmm. um, is prevalent. Um, it's kind of like with the Ouija board, you know, uh, do you expect to, to get all the all the best uh, entities, you know, running to come talk to you, do you, or do you expect maybe the troublemakers, the tricksters, the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, they usually come first. Um, and that's somewhat anecdotal, of course. Obviously, it depends on the energy going on in the house. But, uh, but uh, you know, the bottom line is uh, the mechanics of the way it works is, is simply that. It is, of course, all frequency-driven, as I'm sure you know. You know. Right. Um, we won't get much disagreement from that. But, um, uh, but it is fascinating because... Um, it seems like the, the tele, telephone and, and computers and all that electronic stuff is, mm -hmm. um, especially with phones, still prevalent, but um, even with cell phones, but, um, but it goes far beyond that. 
I find this interesting because I know um, I never got to investigate it before they tore it down, but I believe it was the, the high Sierra in Lake Tahoe. And I remember the reports because Marilyn Monroe had stayed there, you know, and, and a few others. And, and there was one particular room where they claimed that, Mar that Marilyn Monroe would, would, would call on a phone. Oh, wow. And I, I wish I would have had the chance to investigate up there, but I never got up there. But that's kind of interesting. That's why this whole subject interests me. Yeah, yeah, it really is fascinating. Um, and, and it's weird. We group them separately, like there's an extraterrestrial famous component where you have the phone calls with the, uh, the robotic, um, you know, lifeless kind of person asking stupid survey questions and... Uh, you know, trying to get you not interested in, you know, researching UFOs. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a, a fascinating fan of message that came in. Uh, this was after the book was published. And it was uh, two scientists from uh, uh, Israel, I believe it is. And uh, they sent this to me. It was a recording. The two were on the phone. They're talking, you know, and they're part of a United Nations group on UFOs. Evidently, we have one. Um, America is, isn't quite as forthcoming about UFOs as some of the other countries, which is a little bit weird. But uh, in any event, these two gentlemen were talking on the phone. And um, it's very typical with the what we class as the extraterrestrial call, where the phone gets interrupted. One side hears nothing but static, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other um, gets to talk to the voice. And, um, and this was recorded, they sent it to me, and um, it also went through a, um, an analysis mm -hmm. and determined that it was not robotic, but did not match a human, you know, a voice. <laughs> but that's what the, uh, they sent me the report too, that's what the report said, that it's not a robot, uh, but it's unidentifiable. So um, that's as far as you can go, but that's pretty weird. And uh, when I listened to it, uh, he was really good. He, he says, who are you? Who are you? He just, he's forcing this thing to answer questions. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing says something. It sounds to me like uh, um, I listened to it. It sounds like a monster. <laughs> you know, it's no better way to say it. Um, it just sounds like a, you know, rah, rah, you know kind of voice. You right. know? Uh, something like that you yeah, I don't know, but it, uh, it was uh, it was pretty crazy, pretty crazy recording. And uh, you know, if it was an isolated case, you'd say, "I ah, can't believe that." But you know, that kind of call is so typical with these phantom messages, even mm -hmm. with the Mothman prophecy. Um, you know, when, when you get into um, other areas of the paranormal, you still see these phantom messages crop up again and again in the same uh, ways. Um, you know, the same kind of, um, I believe, same kind of modality, but also the same kind of, uh, um, you know, use, well, basically modality, use of frequency, and uh, they evidently know how to communicate by latching onto either an etch-a-sketch or a piece of paper or the walls or, you know, uh, anything as we see in, you know, all the, all the various cases around. Now, being a magician, that puts you in a unique position to be able to debunk a lot of stuff, too, doesn't it? Yes, and, you know, most of what I find isn't fraud. Most of it's misunderstanding. Um, so, I mean, that's a good thing. 
um, you know, uh, if somebody shows you a picture of a UFO, it's it's today it's less likely that it's just a good person who's fascinated, think they caught something, mm-hmm. and follows this up, and um, they don't know that what they're looking at is not a UFO. Um, I come across that far more often, or somebody that says, I think this is my sister, you know, she's coming to send me a message of love, and then you say, well, do you really want to know the truth, and then you let them know it's a reflection, or whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. but um, it's, I find, it's a good thing, I thought it was going to be a lot, the only place of debunking that you run into is like telekinesis, I've never seen any telekinetic demonstration that wasn't easily debunked, Um, that that aside, um, you're, the people who are involved in the research, the people who are spending hours of time in you know, abandoned buildings, these aren't people who are uh, trying to commit fraud, most of them. Mm-hmm. When they do commit fraud, that's when it gets to the Hollywood level, and then they don't have any choice anyhow. So, you know, <laughs> once you sign the contract, you know, you kind of, you, you can't really blame them either because TV has to go on. But, um, right. You know, you'll find stuff there that's uh, fraudulent uh, on purpose. That's Hollywood. But um, by and large, I have found that it's helped me more in my thought process. And it's helped me more um, help others with misinterpretations. And, and that, that goes for me, too. I mean, you know, we're all human. We're all prone to that. Um, I've been in places that I know are haunted. You know, in, in our common term, I know that they're a portal and that there's tons of stuff happening, but my photos are still subject to the normal photo misinterpretations. And so I would take photos that I would think were real. And why? Well, geez, I'm in a house full of activity, right? Right. right. But the reality is they're still not real paranormal pictures. They're still, mm-hmm. not all of them, I'm saying I still had to look and say, no, 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 no. Um, just because you're in a haunted place doesn't mean you're still not going to get the regular reflection. So it's a really hard job, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I don't put down people who do you know, mistake photos for other things. It's a really hard job, you know. It's a hard job to do. Now, going back to you know, the fact that you're a, a magician on this, when you look at these, like like phantom phone calls, for instance, from cell phones, I mean, there's there's people that that debunk it, saying, well, it's just a delay on the cell phone because some cell phone carriers, you know, don't deliver the messages fast enough. How do you feel about that? I mean, what's your views on that on that kind of thing? Yes, um, well, I think it's easy to make explanations without context. So, um, a delay in one message is one thing, but when uh, the person's getting a call at 4 p.m. every day mm-hmm. from their dead mother, and they're talking to the dead mother, or or when um, they're receiving the message, and it's not just one message, but it's multiple messages. And, you mm-hmm. know, now, how do you explain it? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I agree. If, if there's a case that has one message uh, that comes through, you can argue, yeah, you always have to argue, you know, delay in delivery, that kind of thing, yes. Uh, but when it's uh, four calls, five calls, you know, uh, when the content of the call reveals information that, you know, is uh, unique, uh, you have to look at the, the details, you know. You can't you can't broad brush it and sweep it under the carpet. Uh, that, to me and to most people, is um, 
investigation by proclamation. You know, mm-hmm. the late great um, Stan Friedman used to say, um, you know, I don't need to research. I've already made, I've already, I'm already convinced myself the answer, you know. Um, so uh, it's hard to really debunk those things. It's hard to prove them, too. I mean, we've had experts, you know, for Panda Messages, we said, you know, how could this, how could this happen technically? And, you know, but who do you ask? Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to the people who you think are the best tech people around, but still, I mean, what do they know about this? And uh, most of them uh, that we've talked to would say, no, you can't do that. You know, no, this can't happen, you know. Um, but if you look at the context of the cases, it's not just a mere message we're talking about. We're talking about the context of the messages or the emails uh, that are sent um, after the person dies. Mm-hmm. And uh, these emails give away information that no one really knew about, mm-hmm. you know, except for the one, uh, there's a case, uh, Jack Therese, where after this, uh, he was younger, and after he had died, uh, they're getting emails from his account. Well, I mean, and it doesn't make any sense. You mm-hmm. know, like who would do that? Who would get into his account? And then it mentioned about uh, a meeting in an attic he had with a friend of his. They were going to maybe fix up the attic, and he's commenting that the attic was so dirty. And only the two of them had that conversation. And the friend Tim, he didn't, he didn't go around telling people that and then all of a sudden that's in the email and there's other stuff in the email and and um you know they they don't know i mean mm-hmm. I, you can't prove from an email that it's him but um it's almost a, the best explanation would be he faked his death and sent the emails right you know it's uh, it because it, it's bizarre um i don't think he did that but it's a bizarre case and you know does the family think it's really him? Well, some do, some don't, some don't know, but they think it's nice that, uh, that they, they would be nice. If it was him, you know, um, but who would do that? Right. You know, who, who would break into his account and who even knew about, you know, it, it's just, it, the whole thing was bizarre with no motive. So, uh, once you look at the context of them, it gets interesting. And, um, and in the book, we label, you know, if if something has no witnesses, um, that's interesting and still, you know, should be part of the story. But there's, a, you know, most of the cases in our book, I think it was over 70% had witnesses. Uh, and when you have multiple people, you know, getting involved in these these things, you know, like the 9-11 call, somebody mm-hmm. can say, ah, oh, you know, so what, he just got a call where it made some noise, you know. Uh, but it's more than that. You know, when somebody faints to a phone call and, you know, we're talking about things that have uh, impact that's unlike a normal call. You know, it's it stands out from the rest by far. And it, and all of these types of uh, those the, the fearful types of that those calls, you know, all end up with the listener just instinctively knowing that what they're listening to is not, you know, a TV or or radio or, or, or prank call that this is real life. Um, and you know, that's what all these communications have one thing in common. Um, well, they have multiple things in common, but one of the things that's fascinating is the time element. You know, are they predicting the future and is it a prediction? You know, um, are we predicting the future or are they just looking past 
you know, again, if you're transversing these these things, and I, I don't know, you know, sometimes they do it on purpose. Sometimes, you know, we think it's an accident. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's a fascinating aspect, too. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next was, is there, is what, you know, like, like somebody that, say, is it an accident, is, is there a general certain type of call that they make to to the family after they die? Um, yeah, you know, the train crash was an interesting one. It's, it's, a, it's a, a case that made the news. Um, it was um, Charles Peck, he called... It was something like, yeah, it was like 35 uh, phone calls he made. And um, they weren't calls, you know, they weren't calls that, uh, he, you know, the people he called all the time. Uh, but what was it? And they never found his, his, his I think they never found his body. i got to look at that. But um, uh, the engineer actually, ironically, was texting and he failed to yield to a uh, to a signal, and so mm-hmm. the train ends up on the the other side of the tracks. It was, it was horrible. Um, and Charles Pack, um, he was uh, oh, it, it's sad. He, he was gonna he was getting married. He was moving for a new job. It was, it, that alone is sad. Sad part mm-hmm. of the story. But and it took him like twelve hours to recover Charles' body from the wreckage. But for two hours before that, his phone call made call, his phone, his cell made call after call uh, to loved ones. Now, what's fascinating about this is, you know, they said that he was in the front car. He, he would have been dead, like on impact. There's no way he could have been mm-hmm. alive during that time. But the weird part is his phone called only his loved ones. So you know how you'd have the dentist, the barber, the mechanic. You you get all these people in your contacts. But all the phone calls that happened during that time when he had to be dead were all outbound calls from his own cell phone. And they were only to the loved ones, you know. So you can say maybe it's something mechanical if it just, if it went to, you know, Bob the mechanic Mm -hmm. and Bill Hall, you know. Bill Hall's a, tr- a good friend. Bob the mechanic just got called because mm-hmm. there's something mechanical that happened with his phone or whatever. But we're talking about only his loved ones were called. Those were the only calls. There was no hairdresser or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. And so, and so that makes it oddly, oddly specific. Um, you know, when, when you look at that, where his phone went, uh, it called his son, his brother, you know, his sister. Um, of course, his, his fiance, I think it was his fiance at the time, um, a friend who lived in the same complex, you know, 35 calls, 35 calls made when he, when they said, they said he had to be dead. There's no way. And whenever they answered, they heard static again. And, you know, there's always a static, no matter how good the technology is when it comes to these phantom calls. You know, static ends up being part of it. You know, the frequency interruption, um, as I would guess. So, um, you know, they thought maybe he was trapped and using his cell phone, you know, to call to get help. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, but after they found his body and everything, um, 
you know, the rescue the crew, they found this body around midnight. It was about an hour after the call stopped. Mm-hmm. But uh, they said based on his injuries, he died on contact. He was not alive during that time. So it, it made all those calls and, um, and only to loved ones. But that, to me, that's that's not your top level of phantom message, right? right. Because because we still have to make assumptions, right? And uh, but it's a fascinating case, nevertheless. It's not one that I would uh, say stop everything for. But when you put it together with all the other phantom messages, you see a trend of how these things operate. The static interference um, that sometimes uh, the cell phones do call after people die, although it's rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't have enough of it to know enough data on it to really get at it. But, um, uh, you know, they are fascinating. I, I think they could be put uh, in the same realm as other entities of sometimes not knowing the origin of these things or right. who they're really from. Uh, in the case of Charles Peck, you know, uh, we have a mechanical device as the only um communicator but we also have to add it add it static so that static's an important element so um, you know we tried to look at the cases that way too uh some of the elements have uh, you know many witnesses um and it's more it's it's uh, more an open and shut case of uh, something really hot is happening uh bizarre well i hear this you know <clears throat> excuse me it makes me wonder too about you know how like people will get that last burst of energy because I know as a paranormal investigator, even to have you know a blip on a uh, on a meter, the entity has to put out a lot of energy to do that to create that blip. So I'm wondering if you know this is just a burst. You know they die. They don't maybe they don't realize they're gone, and this is a massive burst of energy to operate these. these these phones and computers or whatever because it would take a lot of energy to do that yeah you know you, you wonder because uh, it seems the phone is is definitely uh, a, it's not the most popular but it's a favorite you know right. the interruption the static you know same thing we had a case with a tv um and computers and now cell phones you know prior to that regular phones mm-hmm. uh and then letters too but I agree with you, like the letter, the ones that had letters and and writing on the wall, uh, those cases, um, I, I can't say all of them, but I know a few I'm thinking of, they, they had, they were big haunts. There was a lot of energy going on there. Uh, other cases where it's just a message being communicated, mm-hmm. um, it often will be the phone call, which would make sense, the less energy to, to output. If it's a full-on haunt, then you'd have some of the weirder stuff like um, uh, like a letter in the mailbox, uh, which is which was a case uh, um, from an investigation uh, that we did uh, in Litchfield, where where they actually have letters uh, with like a scrawled pencil thing. I mean, you know, unbelievable stuff. But uh, but that was part of basically a house that was in the middle of a portal, if you will. You mm-hmm. know, so. Uh, but I, I agree. It seems, uh, especially all the ones related to UFOs or entities or the the weird surveyors and everything, uh, they tend to really favor phone call like nothing else. Um, 
absolutely. Now, you just piqued my interest on this because, you know, all the years I've been doing paranormal investigations, I've never once come across anything that had anything to do with a letter. Let's talk about that. Oh, oh, um, yeah. It, it, matter of fact, I think it's uh, the cases in the time slip uh, chapter, although so many of them have a fascinating time slip, uh, you know, component to them. But uh, let me just see here. Okay, cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I want. I was trying to figure out what. Oh no, cool. I just said cool. That's that, that's cool. Um, I just yeah, I like to know a little bit more about the letters because that, that kind of that, that really intrigues me. Oh, the letters. Yes, yes. sir. Um, well, this uh, one of the letter cases was in the middle of. Uh, well, this house is definitely uh, it's like a paranormal circus. Um, my second book was done on it, Haunted House Diaries. That was an active investigation, and. Um, they had, um, it was bizarre because um, they were thinking of calling this another, this will bring up another fascinating um, subcategory of phantom messages. They were uh, thinking about calling um, uh, friends that had seen in a while to get together. And, um, and uh, they went out there, they were going to call, didn't get a chance to call. And then uh, they get a letter in their mailbox to stop by to see you um, from those same people. And um, the message is very bizarre. All about all about time, kind of like the Hawkman mm -hmm. prophecies, where the where the those notes in that case, um, where they show up. Uh, oh, we had these messages for you from the hotel, telling in you know knowing all sorts of things and um, that's how a lot of these messages operate almost I, almost like they're playing uh, with, with us um, some of it looks like even predicting the future but I wonder if it's just viewing the past you know and not on a linear timeline like we are um, but I find with with, cake, with cases of letters it's usually there's uh, there's a big haunt going on at the same time interesting and so these letters are like real letters i mean i mean they're not like they're not like patchy things or anything they're just well written out and everything yes it was actually it was a piece of paper and it, it was scrawled on like with pencil mm -hmm. you know almost like some psycho wrote it you know and uh and they wouldn't believe but they signed it i think claire and bob or you know they signed it there but it was like it, it didn't look like to say like a human handwriting but that's right. you know look like look like a kid did it almost uh so yeah very very bizarre um it's almost like if you're in the right place sort of speak anything is possible um and uh but even with the haunts we see sometimes uh they go for uh an etch a sketch uh, simple message or disturbing you know poltergeist kind of activity mm -hmm. um, but even with poltergeist we, you know we, we get a fan of messages so that was the idea of the book is to look at um all of them and uh, a, a lot of the fascinating ones have nothing else going on um and um 
the, the phone calls that never happen are fascinating. That's where you're going to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. You never get around to it. Yet the person calls you up and says they got your message. Whoa, now, okay. one, one would say, oh, well, maybe the investigator is off his rocker and forgot and did make the call. But this is something that we found prevalent with a lot of these calls. These are not simple people that just kind of forgot they made a call. These are people who are going to make a phone call, did not make the phone call, but the phone call got there. And sometimes even with a slightly different message, like you made a decision that you didn't make yet, but the phone call had the message in it with the decision, that kind of thing. That happened happened in the Mothman prophecies also, as well as other cases. So it, um, it's hard to place, you know, we, we think, uh, as my dear friend Paulino says, if we see it outside, it's, it's extraterrestrial. If we see it inside, it's a ghost. He's being facetious because, you know, we know that, but, uh, sometimes it is tough to tell what's what. And, uh, and I think uh, these entities, um, could be many different entities, um, but I think they, they all do use uh, the same kind of uh, phantom messages uh, in their own way. Uh, even, even some uh, that are good or, or more playful um, or helpful, because, you know, there's, there's all of those, too, in the mix. I think their personalities are as varied as ours, which means, you know, who knows, maybe they're human <laughs> uh, or maybe not. But, uh, or they pretend well. There's a mixture of just about everything in there. Now, do you hear, um, I know that there have been cases that I'm going to talk, I'm going to go back to a book I read a, while, a long time ago on, on the air here, The Ghost of Flight 401, where uh, at the point of impact during, you know, the, the, the airline crash, this guy's family that was standing at the gates heard a whistle, and it was his whistle, as if he was coming home, have you, have you come across cases like that? I mean, you know, I guess he was telling me he was all right. Yes, yeah. And, and, and a lot of these cases, um, uh, and this is, of course, my theory, who am I? But um, it, it does appear that uh, we're not seeing residual. We're not seeing uh, people who are dead. We're seeing uh, people who are actually living, carrying out whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're doing it in a different uh multiverse or different different universe mm-hmm. um that's not my own theory it's you know it's not one that i've uh, started it's a popular one uh not with everyone some people want to insist that um uh, that's residual kind of haunting right uh, yet i would argue in gettysburg because residual hauntings i know we've broken them so if they can break residual haunting i don't think it's really residual but um i i i only make that assumption based on interactions with with uh, uh entities and all these cases all these cases too that point out a lady was standing there combing her hair in the mirror she wasn't even paying attention to me yeah because she's combing her hair in the mirror you know, she's not dead mm-hmm. she's combing her hair in the mirror because she's going to go out for real in mm-hmm. her universe you know, right. And and we know that the living can haunt the living, so we know they don't have to be dead. In other mm-hmm. words, there's cases where somebody has a dream, but really they're haunting someone else in their house during their dream. They're an actual entity that's seen by by the people. Mm-hmm. And there's they're rare cases, but uh, in some cases the two meet because the house isn't that far 
apart and the person that's been haunting them is the girl that lives literally next door <laughs> uh, not uh, not next door but you know right and so, so now you have a case of uh well you can't say a ghost is has to be a dead person because that person dreamed it was alive right so um but then it, so i'm not i'm open it to being all three i'm open it to something to being um um I, I don't quite follow the residual uh, argument, uh, but, you know, I'm not out to tell anybody over it. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, yeah, I mean, I try to keep an open mind, but I, I think from what I've seen um, that entities behave as if they're not dead because they're not. Right. Well, what you know, it sounds like what you're talking about when you talk about the living haunting the living. You know, it's like someone with psychic abilities that, that doesn't realize they, they have them or realize they're as strong as they are. And when they go to sleep at night or whatever, they're able to project themselves into somebody else's dreams. Right. Well, this wasn't even into dream. This was into their okay. their, their living room. Okay. 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 Yeah. Well, I mean, but, just but, to yeah, do that's it. fascinating, yeah. too. I mean, obviously, that's, that's as powerful. But uh, yeah, it's funny. I mean, she was she was literally going down the steps, and they would see her and kind of freak out, and then she would freak out. That was the haunting episode. That's funny. <laughs> Two people scaring each other, and uh, and boy, when she showed up at their door, uh, their faces were kind of they were relieved afterwards to realize she wasn't dead and wasn't going to haunt them forever. Because of course, once she once the two met, it uh, luckily had stopped. But. Uh, but they would have been okay if they continued now that they knew it was some girl who had sleep problems that lived a few blocks away. Right, you know? right. But, but to one me of the chances, most of those cases, the two never meet each other. So you've got uh, probably people doing exorcisms until uh, the poor lady or, or guy <laughs> right. gets some help with their sleep. But to me, see, that, that leads to asking the right questions, too, as an investigator. Because with the lady that they're seeing, you know, if, if, if she is alive, then there might be some emotional issues going on there to where she's she's upset at night or you know or, or whatever and she's projecting herself out right right there's so much we have to take into account it, definitely good to point that out yeah you know sometimes i summarize and you summarize but yeah there's a lot of detail <laughs> that we have to overcome before we even get to the haunted part yeah know? i mean the deal that's what people don't realize about these cases is there's a lot more that that goes on than on TV, you know, where, where there's a, a lot more information that, that as investigators we all have to gather in order to put the puzzle together. Oh, yeah. And even when it's compelling, sometimes, you know, there's a photo in my second book that I would take out. Um, uh, we've learned what it was. Um, it, it looked like an apparition going through a portal. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed the family separately. And they all identified the lady as the same lady. And it looked unbelievable. And uh, my head optics expert looked at it. And um, he concluded that it was a reflect, that, that the ring, the portal, was a reflection from the ornate uh, mirror. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, we, so, you know, we went to recreate it with the actual mirror. He was able to recreate the effect. But he wasn't, he didn't know about the lady. The lady, of course, was uh, pretty wild. It really looked like a lady. Uh, but then I was going through some pictures of the house uh, probably years later. And uh, and I noticed that in the picture, the real picture, the big, big picture, 
uh, had a carousel horse there. Oh. Um, yeah. Who would a life-size carousel horse? The daughter loved horses and so had a giant. And the mane of that horse <laughs> caused a reflection into the mirror mm -hmm. that looked just like a lady. Wow. Just like a lady. And it's in my second book. And every time I lecture and hold up the book, I'll say that picture. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. You know, but I, I, you know, I always say, you can say this is, you know, this is unexplainable or this is crazy or whatever. I never can say, look at what I caught. Right. You know, I, you know, I could say that, but you know, I try not to, I say, look, here's the figure here. Look at this. This looks, you know, this is what I'm seeing. But, uh, you know, the most you can say with a photo is it's unexplained. The problem is you're not there. Uh, that's a big problem. Now, if you were there and took the photo, now mm -hmm. more impressed. Mm -hmm. You know, if you saw it your, with your eyes and you took a photo, then if I can trust you, then we can talk. You sure. know, but otherwise, you just see a photo. You're limited by the field of vision of the camera. So, uh, all you could do is say it doesn't appear that there's special effects, but you can't say something's a UFO or something's a phantom message. Um, unless you have a better proof that we, we did have, um, we had to exclude a lot of interesting cases that simply, uh, didn't have enough to them. You know, there, you know, could be this, could be that kind of thing. Um, now with, with, with these phantom messages now, um, is it a mixed bag of, 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 of what's coming through? Like, I mean, is, is some of it reassuring for family members? Or like you say, warnings, like, like with the September 11th thing? Um, well, there's an entire chapter of people who, um, you know, loved ones who pop in to say hello. Um, someone who helped get helped uh, to, to a guy. Nobody knew he was hurt, but mm -hmm. he was hurt. And he didn't really tell anyone. And, you know, uh, kind of the, uh, the family relative kind of spilled the beans on him and, you know, got him help. And... So there's, uh, there are definitely the warmer stories. Mm -hmm. um, we have a chapter on them. No, they're not all, uh, they run the gamut. And there are some heartwarming stories. Uh, uh, continuous phone call from an extension that's no longer live, but it was his dad's work phone. You know, mm -hmm. beautiful little things like that. Of varying levels of proof, you know, some that are just like what I told you, you know, the phone doesn't exist, but it right. made calls, right. you know, you, you can't, you know, you can't risk your reputation on it, but uh, you know, the person's not a liar and it's, an, it's part of the, part of the data. And, uh, and then we just look at it all and others, uh, has, um, incredible proof, um, in of multiple levels, multiple witnesses, multiple, you know, or you have phone call evidence where it's right. recorded. Um, and, um, and that's fascinating. Uh, there's an elementary school in uh, Michigan. Uh, it was a local preschool, and um, and the the thing is is so haunted, and um, it likes to send messages. It um, you know it, if you go away on vacation, it like message, it controls the phones in the office. It's unbelievable. And, um, it'll say their name, like in an unnatural robotic kind of voice. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I was sent some of those recordings, but, uh, it doesn't do any harm. It, it sometimes calls, um, 
you know, the, the varying people there and just says their name. Uh, it, it's the most bizarre thing. And it's all, you know, it's all been investigated, but it's, um, it's, it displays zeros as the origination number. Uh, it makes outgoing calls from other phones, doctors' offices, other places receive calls from the other office phones, <laughs> you know, that none of the employees made. You right. know? And, you know, the phone company is confused, you know, and uh, it's uh, they they have a name for the for the uh, for the they call him George. And he's very active when they leave for holiday breaks. He doesn't like that. And then when they come back, they find messages on their phones. And, um, you know, the numbers don't work and they call back and, uh, no, no following anyone home or attachments. Um, and there was some other, uh, activity going on there, but, um, yeah, but they have just an entity at the place and, you know, they, they go on vacation or, you know, there's, uh, there's the school vacation. They, they leave messages, everybody places. There was an old, uh, an older, um, uh, I think it was called a poltergeist case. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was a poltergeist case where, where the, uh, they were getting built. Cause it was in those days they were calling big Ben the time thing. And I guess they charged for it and it was calling like at such a rate you couldn't even humanly call. You couldn't make that many phone calls, and that, that's how they got it taken off their bill because, you know, they were receiving a bill for for their office making all the phone calls and uh, is making all these other phone calls from their office. So uh, sometimes when there's other – there are – it's rare, but you have – where you have a total takedown of the phone system. There's only a few cases like that that I know of, but uh, this is one of them, this uh, – the one in Phantom Messages. Mm-hmm. That's more playful. You know, not, that's more of a neutral, not really, you know, angry or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Maybe a little childish or, you know, missing them when they go away or whatever you want to call that. But um, it's definitely in the playful category. And um, even the other one years ago, that one was playful, too. I mean, you know, um, what, it may not have even been intentional. You know, calling that number that many times could have been some sort of frequency. Yeah, who the heck knows? Right, right. That definitely is fascinating. Now, something that I've been thinking about, too, during this interview is, what's the duration of these things? I'm not talking about the phone calls themselves, but, I mean, can, can they last, like, like one call or up to multiple calls in, in like, years? Or, or how's that work? Yeah, that's a great question. Most aren't that long, but there have been some that have lasted years um, or a year, close to a year. Um, and as far as messages, well, the Dodlinson incident had over 300 messages. But um, but I would say most are a few messages, um, sometimes only one. But, you know, a few is a few is uh, common. I think the context of uh, how it happens and you know, what is happening because it's unexpected uh, communication. So it, it goes uh, from outbound calls to uh, calls between cell phones. So it really covers uh, the gamut. Um, emails too, of course, as, as we as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and cut. What I mean by context, like in the case of Ida Lupino, at work at, which is in our um, kind of 
famous people chapter. Right. Uh, that was uh, the uncle calling a few times. The child answered the phone, gave the message to the, the grandmother. The grandmother uh, talked to Albert. But there was a problem. Albert was already dead. Wow. So these were these were live phone calls. So the you know, the daughter had the phone call. Said, "Oh yeah, uncle, you know whatever." I said, "Albert, I, don't, I should check the name." But <laughs> said, "Yeah, he, you know, he, he's, he's sick or needs help." But mm-hmm. he was already dead three days before, and and they only had that information when um, I don't know if the grandmother figured it out or if it went the husband and wife who were you know they were all in showbiz. Um, and and then they they get the news that you know, Albert you know called and you know he was sounded sick and and they're like oh, what do you mean he died three days ago these were live phone calls mm-hmm. you know they, these weren't messages left on an answer machine that could be delayed and this this was of course not not in cell phone uh, age even right. but it doesn't matter yeah so when you look at the context then that brings up then then the answer is yes some are long but even though that wasn't long that was uh, that was and it, the content of the message uh, and the context of that uh, you know takes it to a whole another level you know absolutely i just find all this interesting you know especially when you talk about emails and i mean like someone would have to literally press into a computer to even send the email and that fascinates me yes yeah they you know, Dalits and the messages were like an early 16th, like 16th century writing. Right. And, and they were done instantly. I mean, as fast as conversation, you know, which is why in that case we discovered uh, the person doesn't need to be typing on the keypads. It appears whatever they're saying is coming on the keyboard. But right. That's a, whole, that's a whole can of worms. That case, uh, talk about, that was all about phantom messages. Right. Right. I had an instance, because um, I have congestive heart failure, and I have an in, I had an instance of several things that happened, and I know it was my father doing it. And um, because, you know, before I knew, before I was diagnosed, because he had congestive heart yeah. failure. And one of the things that, that struck me as odd was that, you know, I had, like everybody else, I don't use them out in the field, but, you know, those, those silly apps that you have on your cell phone to communicate oh, yeah. and all that. They can talk back like the EVP apps. Well, I have one on my phone, and the phone, of course, was to the regular home screen. And I was doing some work on my laptop, and the message came through that said, go to hospital. Oh, wow. And I thought, that's really weird, because whoever it is or whatever it was would have had to physically, you know, manipulate the phone to even open up the app to send the message. You see, you would have made it into the book. See, I would have made it into the book. You know? See, that, but that's a good example of what I would call like a level one. We didn't have levels, but that's that's a story that's, okay, I believe you. Mm-hmm. I believe it's weird as hell. We can argue it's a coincidence or, you know, mechanical, but it's still cool as hell. Right, yeah. Know, the, the, however you want to say it, when you, when you start collecting all of these, um, you can't discount. You know, like I had the experience in the graveyard, you know, was it real? You know, I mean, I put it in the book and I was honest and saying, I don't know, but let me tell you, mm-hmm. um, it, it was uh, very, if it was coincidental, it was darn coincidental. 
you know. Well, yeah, and then um, and then mine was coupled with a couple other things that went on. Like he sat at his butt. At, at, well, we had a breakfast bar, you know, and he sat in the same spot for years and years and years. And there was always a light bulb above where he sat. And this is around the same time that I got the phone, the other thing on the phone. And the light above where he sat started blinking. And it would never stay on. It would never stay lit. I put new bulbs in there. It would never stay lit. And there was nothing wrong with the wiring, right? So All I right. thought, okay, well, that's kind of weird. So then when I go to have one of my, my, my tests done, where they're going to put stuff you know, into your blood system to, to see how your stuff's flowing, I was having trouble because my heart would always race. So I'm sitting there in the little waiting room thing, the little cubicle, and my dad was a, was a big band aficionado. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to a pop station, right? And all of a sudden, the music changes. And it's my dad's favorite song. Wow. And that's when I knew, and I now thought... you have multiple elements. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, oh, my God, my dad's been trying to contact me. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and we don't know. Yeah, you know, like in a lot of cases, they're they're playing tricks. In other cases, you know, who can argue? That's I prefer to think it's him. Yeah, I I do too. I do too. You know, you got a few elements going on there. That that's what I mean by levels. Is you know when you have multiple elements, because when you have the one, sometimes it doesn't give you enough information, it leaves right. you hanging, and you're like, well, what does this mean? But if you have the one thing, then something else. You got something else. Maybe you don't even have a full haunt, but you have a fuller picture. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's like three things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have one and we have a case in the book where um, it was a radio breakthrough. And a lady swears it said it, it was a, a voice yelling, you know, stop and, you know, saved her life from going over the railroad tracks now. And, and she swears this was not in her head, mm -hmm. you know. She's like, look, I, this was not, you know, this is what happened. And the way she explains it, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I, believe, I believe it happened because there are other cases of breakthroughs of a radio station. Right. Again, the static, the static, the breakthrough, whether it's radio, phone, uh, or CB radio, um, uh, you know, cell phone. Right. Piece Absolutely. of paper, you know, <laughs> you know, email, you name it. Uh, the early compute TVs, and we had a few TV uh, uh, takeover cases that were interesting. Um, but yeah, it looks like uh, they're they're of course big into the frequencies, uh, especially on the uh, the men of the men, whatever you believe with the men in black or the robotic calls. Right. Uh, they seem to prefer phone calls, probably because nobody was letting them in when they went door to door. They're too freaky. <laughs> They're like we can't do door to door, you know. We do worse than uh, than uh, than uh, telemarketers. So right, you know. right. Well, when you talk about the TV stuff, I believe that I did a case probably about twenty years ago where um, the, chi the 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 child would try to watch her cartoons, and the TV would always change the channels that the grandmother liked. Oh my God! Kids' worst nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was crazy. There's crazy stuff going on like that. So oh, yeah, Jimmy, my co-author, well, one of the cases in the book uh, about um, uh, the haunted cable box, this cable box I kept would go to whatever one that they said, you know, that old system with it and talk back to them using uh, channels and numbers. It was really freaky. Um, but yeah, radio, 
whether it's going to a particular station, right. turning on and off by itself. Right. You know, we've, we've, um, all those kinds of things we've seen. Uh, Phantom Messages was an attempt to just cull all of those messages that we get and, uh, and make sense of them. And they're definitely predicting the future, uh, which I don't like to use the term prediction because, again, what if they're just looking back at what happened? Mm-hmm. If they're looking back at what happened, they could easily predict the future and look like gods when really they're not, they don't have to have that uh, advancement at all, really. Right. Um, but who knows? You know, it could be a bit of both, right? It doesn't have to be one answer. That's what I always say. Sometimes it could be we're both right at different times. You don't really know. But, uh, but the behaviors, it takes form. And um, it, it definitely some of these messages uh don't come about because of a horrific accident some some of these messages just come out of the blue you know like the email uh the jack froze emails i think that's how you say his name right um you know they just come out of nowhere you know just people didn't expect it and this is what happened um you know like the uncle right calling you know that story saying you know he's sick he has to talk to the parents but you know he's been dead for three days absolutely Um, yep you know and and there's you know then you see similarities with cases like that um and and a call from the future self is one of the there's uh they're rare but they're they are growing in number where they receive a phone call from what the person believes is their future self (laughs) so um, I don't think I want to talk to my future self. No, I don't either. That would creep me out. Hear, hear what crap I did, you know? <laughs> that would creep me out. William, thank yeah, you st- th- thank you so much for coming on. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time, and I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad. I had a blast. I would love to get you on to talk about your other, your, your, your other investigation. I would love to. Sure, sure. We certainly could do that. All right. Well, thank you so much, sir. And I, I will... Um, I will advertise your books uh, right before I close the show down so people know where to get them and which books to get and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you so much. All right, sir. Take care, everybody. You have a good evening, and thank you so, so much. Oh, you're welcome. All right, bye-bye. Okay, that was fascinating. Every time you get a phone call now that, you know, that you call back and says this number's been disconnected, you're going to think twice about it, right? I know I will. But anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for coming tonight. I appreciate it. Um, gosh, I can't say much more about this guest. Like I said, I've been waiting to get him on for a while. We had Ashley was on. Ashley, if you're listening, she did a great job uh, You know, going down over some of these messages. She had had a website where she, hang on a second, where she, where she had compiled stories that people had, had emailed into her website. We had gone over these, these phantom messages. It's just absolutely fascinating. You know, and like he says, they, they can come in, in, in several different ways. And if I correct, uh, I'll let you guys know tomorrow. I think it was the High Sierra, you know, with Marilyn Monroe. Probably wrong. I'll, I'll look it up to make sure I have it right so I don't, you know, raise any cackles for people, investigators. Anyway, if you're watching from Facebook and you like the show, please be sure to uh, follow. If you're watching from YouTube and you like the show, please be sure to subscribe. And it's that little guy. That little ghost down there at the bottom right-hand corner with the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat on. I'd really appreciate it. I really would appreciate it. If you watch from TikTok, that too, you know, that kind of thing. 
tomorrow we're going to be talking about eerie Florida, creepy things in the state of Florida. And, and some of them include, even include a Bigfoot-like individual. So we're going to be talking about that with Mark Muncy tomorrow. He was supposed to be on a couple weeks ago when uh, something came up, but he will be with us tomorrow evening to talk about that to talk about that stuff. So that's going to be really, really cool. I really appreciate each and every one of you for listening tonight. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. I really appreciate it. And, and, and again, you know, it's great that you guys are our, our listeners. You know, I, I really appreciate each and every one of you. What I forgot to do today was run my banner. I don't know why, but it's one of those days. Here we go. I have the banner running. And what that is is because California Haunts is technically a nonprofit team. We don't take any money to investigate or anything like that. So we do accept donations. However, because, you know, we have equipment costs just like everybody else, just like internet costs and, just, you know, everything else to keep the show going. And I want to keep the show going, keep guests coming. So if a mic breaks, computer breaks, I have to pay for it out of my pocket because I'm the owner, right? Or if the equipment breaks for the team, you know, I have to pay for it. If you can find it in your heart to help us out a little bit to keep that stuff going, paypal.me at California Haunts. Uh, if you uh, don't like PayPal, prefer Venmo, you can, you can find us over there too at California Haunts. I really appreciate it. Every little bit helps, right? Anyway, I want to thank everybody, and I will see you guys. And let me get this going. Let me move over here. Da, da, da. Get the right thing. Buttons. Who's got the buttons? And after I run his information, I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific with Mark Muncy and talk about Erie, Florida. So here we go. Let me run the information for you. And boom. Just like that. Found in Messages is the book we talked about tonight. But again, he has another famous investigation that he did, and that is it, and that is the world's most haunted house. And his other book is The Haunted House Diaries. And of course, you can get all that at Amazon. And please, if you happen to have a TikTok account, we are over on TikTok. We're under California Haunts. So do look us up over at TikTok. We've got some some interesting and fun stuff over at TikTok. Anyway, I want to thank you guys. I will see you tomorrow. Have a good evening.